0: Well, good morning and welcome to Northridge Church, man. We're excited to have you here this morning, whether you're joining us from one of our campuses or you're a guest with us or you're hanging out with us online. And if you're with us online, last week we had over 400 people watching online, and I just want to welcome you and I want to challenge you to engage with us. We have a chat online with one of our staff members. Tell us where you're from and where you're joining from, and we would love to interact with you. And In fact, we would love for you to come check out one of our four campuses where we can meet you personally and have a conversation with you, but welcome everybody to Northridge Church, and a couple weeks ago, we, we jumped into this brand new series called Come On In, where we really just invited you. We started the new year by inviting you in to get a glimpse of who we are as a church and why we do and how we do and all these different things about the life and who Northridge Church is, and we started with the most important piece, the why. We exist. We are The driving force behind all we do is we want to glorify God by making more and better disciples. We want to be a church that is reaching people in our our city, reaching people far from God, but also helping people walk and take their next steps with God. And then last week, we, we talked about our process, the process of how we fulfill that mission. And we, we talked about how we want to start by getting people engaged in our weekend services and community. We start with those two essentials, and it leads everybody to a place where we make a commitment to grow, to serve, and invite and last week, I really challenged the people of our church to, to take a step. Not make a New Year's resolution and get the information, but to take a step. And I just want to celebrate what happened last week, what God did last week, because we had a lot of people in our church actively take a step towards Jesus. And I want to celebrate some of these. We had 44 people say, I'm going to jump into community group. We had 40 people say, I want, I want to jump into the equip ministry and, and gain some knowledge so I can grow in my walk with God. We had 43 people sign up for Pina- Financial Peace University. We had 111 people say, I'm committed to coming Sunday morning on a regular routine. I, we had 151 people committed to inviting their neighbors and living Pi Squared. We had 103 people say, hey, I'm committed to serving inside of our church and outside in our community. And then we had 27, just last week, we had 27 people say, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. And church, that is worth <laughs> celebrating. Yes. And so today, as we, we wind down this series, we've looked at the why. We've looked at our mission, why we exist. We've looked at the process of how we go about fulfilling that. And today, we're going to look at how we approach, as a church, ministry. You know, my wife and I, we would, would be called... DIyers, we love to do projects around our house. My wife writes a blog, and all the things that we do around our house, and so we just are always dreaming, thinking of the next project that we could possibly complete or restore in our house. And and I think that journey started if you go back about eight years ago when my wife and I we were moving from Maryland to Georgia, and we pinched our pennies and we saved as much money as we could to put a down payment on our first home. And so we bought our first home in Georgia, and like. Like most first-time homebuyers, we were excited. We were ecstatic to own a home, but as you probably know, that first home you purchase really isn't your dream home. In fact, that you call it a fixer-up or it needed some work. And in this house we purchased, if you went down to the basement, it had a finished basement. It was a daylight basement where you could walk outside. And as you got closer to walking outside, there was this room, and it was kind of a unique weird room. It didn't have a lot of purpose to it, but when you walked into this room, the first thing that you noticed was this creamy yellowish linoleum flooring. I mean, it was beautiful, (laughs) to say the least. It had this black tiled outline with these majestic hunter green diamonds in the middle. It was hideous. It was nasty, and so we knew when we purchased the house, like, this has got to go. We've got to change that. And so we started saving money. As a young couple, we started putting away money. But we realized early on in the process that we probably couldn't afford to to have someone fix it. So we had to learn how to do that. And so we figured, hey, this is our first project ever as a couple. Let's just go for it. So we went to Home Depot like everybody does or Lowe's or whatever store you like. And we picked, purchased the, the flooring. We got all the materials. And we laid them out by this flooring. And, and what happened next was... Fascinating. It was really interesting because I'm a I'm a high D personality. I'm a a driver. I'm I'm the guy that's like I'm a visionary, and so all I can see is like let's go and let's get this done. I want to I want to finish this job as fast as I can, and so I'm looking at this project. I'm like we got to get rolling, we got to move, and we got to get it done because I can see in my head that day where I'm sitting on my couch drinking coffee and enjoying the brand new floors that I just laid down. Now. On the other hand, I have a beautiful bride who is slightly OCD. Um, She's a perfectionist, and she looks at this project and she says, I want to go slowly, methodically, mechanically. I don't want to make sure everything is cut perfectly and nothing, there's no mistakes. And so we started the project and I'm like rambling and and putting down floors and going and my wife is coming behind me like, Drew, you're not doing it right. You missed that cut. What is going on? And I don't know how, but by the grace of God, we finished the project and we remained married. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Only God. But isn't it fascinating that two people can look at the exact same thing and approach it completely differently? And that's how the church is. I mean, there's a thousand churches, thousands of churches all across America. And if you were to take time to visit all those churches, you will realize really fast that they go about it all pretty differently. Some churches do things differently than us. And today we're going to talk about how we approach ministry, how we go about fulfilling our mission, because really it's what makes Northridge Church Northridge Church, and so we're going to jump into our approach, and the way we approach things is through four lenses. We approach ministry through these four filters, these four lenses, and the first one is we approach ministry with excellence, with excellence. We want to be a church that no matter what we do, Whether it's our weekend service, whether it's our community groups, whether it's serving, giving, whatever it is, an event that we do, we want to approach it with excellence. We want to do the very best we can. In fact, you might ask the question, why? Well, Colossians 3.23 gives us the answer. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not human masters. And so here Colossians gives us that recipe. He says, it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're you're working for a business, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're working in the church. It says, whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. Do it as you're doing it for the Lord. And so as a church, we take that mentality that what we do, whatever we do, we want to do it with excellence. We want to perform it with excellence. In fact, for some of you, that's probably why you love Northridge Church. Because you you can show up here on a weekend And not have that awkward feeling where, you know, there's weird pauses or things go crazy and no one knows what's going on. No, we have services that are intentionally and strategically uh, performed. We have services with worship that is engaging to the culture around us. And so we want to do things with excellence. We give and do our best because it honors God and inspires people. Why excellence? Well, two reasons. It is given in that point. The first one is we want to bring Honor to God. I mean, that's in our mission statement. We want to glorify God. And and that's why we exist is to really lift up and honor God. And so we believe excellence honors God. But secondly, we also believe it inspires people. When you come to one of our community groups or you come to our weekend services and you realize that people worked really hard to make that excellent, hopefully it inspires you to be a part of it. Hopefully as you hear our worship and you can sing, it inspires you to want to be a part of that. And so we as a church, we're committed to excellence. We approach ministry through the lens of excellence. And when I was uh, was around 18 years old, I was headed to Bible college to jump into seminary to learn what it meant to be a pastor. I heard a, a pretty famous guy, he's the founder of Liberty University, he said a statement that really... Shape the way I view ministry. Shape the way I, I, I view uh, church in general. And it's Jerry Falwell, and this is what he said. He said, "If it's Christian, it should be better. If it's Christian, it should be better." And here's what he means. He says, "If it has God's name on it, if it represents God, it should be better." And we believe that at Northridge Church. What we do, we should do it to the best of our ability because we don't serve a God who just does ordinary things. We don't serve a God who just does okay things. We serve a God who is excellent and perfect and flawless. And so we want to represent him well as a church. And so we do everything we can with excellence. And just to give you maybe a little inside scoop to to my heart as the lead pastor of Northridge Church, I have this dream, and maybe this is being fulfilled a little bit already, but I have this dream that, you know, people outside in our community, people who don't call Northridge home, or even people who say, you know, I don't really want to have anything to do with God, or I don't really care about God, I pray those people, when they look at the organization of Northridge Church, they would say, you know what, man... They treat people excellently. They love people with excellence. They do everything they can to the best of their ability. And I might not know much about God, and I might not even care about God, but I wouldn't mind working at an organization like that. It's a dream I have because we do and we look through ministry through this lens of excellence. But that leads us to the second lens of simplicity. We do things and we approach ministry with simplicity. The reality is is if we want to do things with excellence, it causes us us to say no to good things in order to keep our focus on the best things. And so we as Northridge Church will never be the church that offers thousands of events. That's just not who we are. We will never be the church that offers a million different ministries for every single phase of life. That's just not who we are because we hold to the roots of excellence, which leads us to make simple choices. And some of you, you, you would say, man, I, I love Northridge Church for what it is, but you have to understand what it is and what you love about it is because of what it isn't, what it isn't. You love Northridge Church for what it is because what it is is because of what it isn't. And here's the reality. We will do few things well rather than many things with mediocrity. We will do a few things well. We will focus on the best things, the main important things. I mean, last week, we talked about our process of fulfilling our mission. And if we have all these kinds of ministries and all these kinds of events, we believe it blurs what's important. And so we want to keep people focused on what is important by doing the things that we believe are the main things the best. And I don't know about you, but I grew up in the church. Man, I grew up in a small Baptist church and it's really shaped the man I am today. But one tension I always had with the church growing up is we were always in church. We were always at the church building. I mean, growing up, I was in church on Sunday morning and Sunday night. I was in church on Tuesday for Iwanas. I was in church on Wednesdays, Wednesdays for youth group. I was in church on Friday or Saturday for some kind of event. And I had this tension in my heart because the, 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 the pastor would tell us, hey, we got to be loving our community. we got to be loving on our neighbors. And I'm like, how in the world am I supposed to love my neighbor when all I do is spend my time inside the building of a church? And we don't want that for you. We want the reason, one of the main reasons why we value simplicity is we want to leverage your influence in your community. We want you to live pi squared. We want you to be loving outside the walls of what we call church. We want you to be investing in your neighbors and your coworkers. And you can't do that if you find yourself in the building of the church on a regular basis. And so we want to leverage you out and send you out on Sunday and equip you to love on your community. The other tension I had is with the church is, man, being in the church so much, I just felt like the church pulled my family apart. I felt like my dad was doing one thing and I was doing another thing and my mom was doing another thing. And the other way we want to leverage your influence is with your family. We want to give you time by being a simple church so you can spend time discipling your kids as grandparents or parents, loving on your family and actually being together as a family. And the only way we do that is by staying simple. The third lens that we run through is the lens of generosity. We start with excellence and simplicity, and it leads us to generosity. We want to, as a church, lead the way in generosity. Just last year, 2017, we gave over $400,000 away to our community and to people who are hurting around the world. And we believe that. We believe we want to be a generous church because, man, here's what I know. I think one of the biggest rifts with people about the church and maybe you find yourself here. Maybe this is you where, you know, maybe you got burned by a church before or, or maybe you just you have questions about the church. But I think one of the major hesitations with people jumping in and being a part of a church is because they believe the church only cares about money. We just want your money. We don't care about anything else. As long as you are giving to the church, we don't really care. And, you know, for some churches, I can't even argue that. That might be true. But I want you to know something. At Northridge Church, that is not true. And I'll prove it to you. If you're not a part of Northridge Church, you don't call Northridge Church home and you're still deciding, I would challenge you. We don't want your money. You don't have to give to us. Give to some charity. Give, give somewhere. But we do believe that as you walk with Jesus and you go closer to Jesus, he will cause you to sacrifice and be generous. But if you're new to Northridge Church, I would challenge you. Give to a different charity. We don't want your money. We're after your heart. We're after your heart. And we want to lead the way in generosity. We don't want to be a church that just says, hey, give, give. No, we want to be a church that gives back to our community, that invests in our community, that builds up our city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what the Bible says. It says, Acts 20, verse 35, it says, it's more blessed to give than receive. Now, I don't know about you, but the first time I read that, I was like, ha, misprint. That's wrong. That's wrong. Someone needs to talk to, like, early scholars because they obviously switched the words. But that's how our culture lives. That's how we live. I mean, we think it's better to get than to give. We spend our life, Christmas, getting and getting and getting and and dreaming of getting and getting and getting. And the Bible says clearly, hey, it's actually more joyful and more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I, I think I'm starting to learn this. I'm not there yet because I'm, I'm with all of you. Man, I love getting. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I love getting presents at Christmas. But having kids has really changed my mentality, and I'm, I'm, I'm learning this more and more because this Christmas, man, I had so much more fun watching me give my daughter a gift and watch her like, tear it open and her eyes go bright when she found out what she was getting. And for me, it was so much more valuable and so much more blessed to, to give, her, give her something than any gift I received at Christmas. And maybe you've experienced this as a grandparent or you have a niece or a nephew and this Christmas you gave them a gift you knew you wanted and you couldn't wait to watch them open it and their eyes become alive because it was, you were living out scriptures way more blessed to, to give to somebody than to receive. But I experienced this about two months ago in a really moving way in my life. You see, it was mid-December, and I just got done preaching this service, and, and everybody kind of uh, left the church, and I jumped in my truck, and I left the Uranda Koi campus, and I headed to jump on 104 East to go home. And there's this light before you get on 104 East that hates me, because it's always red. It doesn't matter. I, I swear, it sees my truck. Oh, it's like, Drew, turn red. So I'm sitting at this red light, and I pretty much sit at this red light every Sunday after church, and there's always a homeless person on the corner. And for some reason, something moved in me to to do something, And I don't make it a philosophy of handing out cash to homeless people, but I just felt God in my Holy Spirit not speak audibly to me, but just move in my heart to do something. And one of our elders, he gave me this package of socks. He said, you know, I've heard and I've learned that homeless people enjoy when you give these. And so I took this package of socks, and earlier in, like, November, I put these socks in my glove compartment. And so I pulled to this light and... I look over, and I roll my window down, and I wave this homeless man over, and I say, hey, come here. And I just look at him, and I, I say, you know, I, I, I don't have much to give you, man. I have three pair of socks. If you want these, they're yours. And I just assumed he was going to be like, nah, I, thanks, but no thanks, I, I don't want those. But the moment he saw these socks, his whole demeanor changed. His eyes lit up, and he had this huge smile on his face. And he looked at me, and he said these words. He says, you have no clue how soggy and wet and cold my feet are. These will change my life. And I'm, I'm not lying. I was so moved. I was so moved, and I believe I just lived, I just believe I experienced Scripture, that it was way more. I'm telling you, I, I, there were, I, I received a greater blessing than he did. And he, he walked away from my truck, and he walked away, and he was skipping and dancing and jumping. He had this huge smile on his face, and all I gave him was like a dollar worth of socks. And the Bible became alive to me. And here at Northridge Church, we value joyful and sacrificial giving because it reflects the heart of God. When we are generous as a church, when we live generously, we reflect who God is and the very heart and nature of God. We see this in John 3:16. one of my favorite verses, one of, a profound verse that says, For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave, and he didn't just give an ordinary gift. He gave his very best. He gave his one and only son to come live a perfect, flawless life, to die on a cross for my sins and your sins so that we could have life everlasting if we would just surrender and believe in him. Man, because God was generous, we as a church, we want to live that way. We want to be generous with our community and the world. And so we view ministry through the lens of excellence, through the the lens of simplicity, through the lens of generosity, and then fourth and finally, the lens of relevance. We want to be a relevant church. We want to be a church that speaks to things that are going on in our community now, not Ten years ago, we want to be a church that speaks to what you're struggling with and what you're dealing with and what I'm dealing with on a regular basis. And we find this example in First Corinthians chapter nine. Paul says this. He says to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews to those under the law. I became like one under the law. So to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all means, by all means I might save some. And here you see this beautiful example of a a guy named Paul who was the forefront or the leader of the, the Christian movement in the early Christian church where he says, hey, I adapted to the culture around me to be relevant so I could speak truth to the culture I was living in. He became like those not under the law. He became like the weak to speak to the weak. And we as a church, we want to be relevant. We don't want to be a church when you walk in our doors and you're like, oh, same old, same old. Every church is the same, boring and irrelevant. We don't want to be a church that speaks to problems 10 years ago, but we want to engage with what's going on in culture today. But here comes this tension. You might even feel it. Because a lot of people believe you can't be culturally relevant and scripturally accurate. You see, there's this tension here. But here's how we fight this tension. We will engage with culture within the parameters of biblical authority. And so I want you to know this. As a church, whenever culture clashes with God's word, this church over and over and over and over again, we will choose God's word. Anytime culture disagrees with God's word, sorry, culture, but we will stand at this church on the word of God. And we will not bend from it or drift from it because it is our authority for living. And we stand on the word of God. In fact, we find this all the way back in our why and our mission is our source is God's word, and we will not void from it. And so, culture, you clash with God's word, God's word will win every single time. But that doesn't mean that we can't be culturally relevant as a church. That's why we sing the style of music that we sing, because it engages with the culture around us. I want you to go to a concert and be like, that doesn't compare to Northridge Church worship. I want you to go to a movie and be like, you know what, that's good, but our video team at Northridge Church is better. In fact, I'm getting ready to fly to Israel to shoot an on-site location for two series coming up in our church because we want to engage with culture. And the language of culture today is, guess what, video. You stare at a screen probably more than you want to admit. Whether it's your cell phone, your laptop, Whatever it is, we find ourselves staring at a screen. And so we want to speak that language so it engages with people who don't know about the church. And they walk in and they're like, wow, this church is so different than anything I've ever experienced. That's what we want to be. We want to be relevant to the culture around us. So that's a lot of information. We want to be a church that looks and approaches ministry through four lenses. This is what makes Northridge Church Northridge Church, is that we buy into excellence. Everything that we do is done with excellence, because it inspires people and honors God. Secondly, we want to do things simply. We're going to say no to good things in order to keep our focus on the best things. Thirdly, we want to be a generous church, a church that gives away a lot of money to show our city, to show our suburbs, to show the people who don't buy into Jesus that Jesus is love. And then fourth and finally, we want to be relevant. And we want people to walk into our doors and our community groups and they experience, wow, a church that is like this is so much different than I've experienced. And so through the course of this series, come on in. We've invited you in to to get to know us. And it's been a lot of information. And for some of you, maybe you missed a week or you're just jumping in today, I would encourage you to go back online and watch the two other messages where you get to know who we are. But our creative team is amazing. And we sat down and we said, hey, some people are going to miss one week of this series. How in the world can we create something where you get to know Northridge Church in five minutes? And so our team met, and we came up with a video that's five minutes long that gives you a glimpse of who we are, and we want you to know. And as this video plays, volunteers are going to pass out a card. Hold on to that card. We're going to use it later. Check out this video. Whether you're just checking out Northridge Church or you've been coming for years, we want you to know what our church stands for and what it's all about. The DNA of Northridge starts at its core. At the core, you will find our mission. This is the heartbeat behind all that Northridge Church does. The mission is clear and simple. We want to glorify God by making more and better disciples. We want to reach people far from God while helping people grow closer to God. We aim to never do anything at Northridge that doesn't directly enable us to fulfill that mission. But as you uncover the mission, you will realize that it has a source that provides it with its significance. The source is the Bible and the gospel. We believe the Bible is God's word, and so it's our authority for living. We believe that the gospel, the truth, that Jesus conquered sin and death for us is the greatest news we will ever hear. These two things work together to form our source for our mission. And we're convinced that God himself has given us the task of making more and better disciples. So it's not just one of our targets, it's our only aim. But that leaves us with the question, if the mission is more and better, how do we fulfill that mission? When it comes to making more and better disciples, we realize that this doesn't just happen. It requires a process. We are strategically and intentionally creating a pathway or a process to help people take their next steps toward God no matter where they are in life right now. The first two steps in our process are worship and community. We expect everyone at Northridge to be engaged in worship with us by faithfully attending our Sunday morning services and experiencing community with us by participating in one of our community groups. The truth is, is you will never fully experience Northridge Church as it was designed if you aren't doing both of those things. Beyond that, we expect everyone to be at different stages in these next three areas of our process by actively taking their next step as they grow in knowledge and obedience, serve in our church and in our community and invite others to our church and ultimately to make the best decision of their lives in following Jesus. As a church, we have a unique approach to how we go about things. An approach which we are convinced is drawn directly from the specific gifts God has given our church and is uniquely suited to the culture God has called us to reach. We try to do everything with relevance, simplicity, generosity, and excellence. It helps us stay on track and do what God is calling us to do in our community. This approach is a big part of what makes Northridge, well, Northridge. And it helps us move people through our process in order to accomplish our mission, the mission we've received from our source. The result? Well, the result is God using our church to create fully devoted followers of Christ, people who are fully committed and fully surrendered to Jesus. That is the DNA of Northridge Church. That is the how and why behind what we do. But Northridge is more than that. Northridge's DNA is made up of people just like you. People from all backgrounds, races, and classes with a story to tell. A story of how God has impacted their lives with His grace and truth. So what keeps people coming back? The truth is, it's because of all that God is doing through His church. People love one another. A caring and loving family. God-centered. I feel loved. Seeing people get closer to Jesus no matter what age. Coming on Sunday is the highlight of my week. Seeing broken lives really changed. I don't feel judged or beneath anyone here. There's hope. They've walked alongside me, even at my lowest point. My kids love it here. I feel like Northridge is my second home. The welcoming environment. Seeing my children grow. The music and the teaching. They always point me to my savior. I love the community. Stories of life change. I know that Jesus is with me. Being a part of a church where Christ is centered. Community changed lives. No judgment zone, come as you are. They've helped each one of my kids love God more. People care about who I am. Consistent biblical teaching. Northridge is home. Definitely the coffee and donuts. Seeing broken lives really changed. The desire to share the gospel. I have a better relationship with my wife. I feel very welcome and comfortable here. The excellence. The worship. The community. The people. You see, my greatest fear is that when you hear the word church, you automatically assume brick and mortar. Cement, drywall. One of my greatest fears is when you hear the words Northridge Church, you'll think of a movie theater in Greece in Henrietta, a school building in Webster, and a building in Irondequoit. You see, the truth is today, if you're, if you're a guest at Northridge Church, or you're checking us out and you're getting to know us, what makes Northridge Church so special, special has nothing to do with with the programs that we offer. It has nothing to do with the services, but it has everything to do with the hearts and the people that make up this great church. People who consistently sacrifice to love their neighbors. People who give generously to make, uh, help us fulfill more and better disciples people who are willing to go out into their community and speak to broken and hurting people and point them back to Jesus. You see, when we say the word church in this church, in Northridge Church, we don't mean a building. We don't mean a movie theater. We don't mean a school building. We mean people, the people of God who've come together, committed to saying, in Rochester City, I'll live out the gospel and I'll show the city how much Jesus really and radically loves them. That's what makes this church so amazing, is the people who make it up. That's the DNA of our church. And today as we wind down this series where we invited you in, come on in. I wanna use an illustration to remind you of something and challenge you with something. You see, we all know what this is, it's a chair. For a lot of us this chair represents something we, we sit in. We relax in. I wish it was a lazy boy. It's a place of comfort. But my prayer as we wind down this series, come on in, and you get to know us as, an, as Northridge Church, is that this chair would really represent something in our church. It would represent our mission of more and better. You see, because for a lot of you, this chair represents that better peace, Or maybe you walked into the doors of our church without hope and you met Jesus for the first time and you surrendered to him and he's radically changed your life. Maybe it represents a chair you sat in where you met a friend who's pushed you to the gospel, who jumped into community with you and led you and loved you during the darkest times of your life. Maybe this chair represents a moment in your life where God molded you and shaped you and made you and broke you and he made you a better disciple of Jesus Christ. You see, this chair, I I believe, it it reminds us of what God has done in our lives as followers of Jesus. It reminds us that we were once lost, but yet when we met our Savior, He didn't leave us where we were, but He died for us so that we could live and live to the fullest in Him. So this chair should remind us. It should remind us of our spiritual journey, but I also think it should challenge us. Because one thing you will see at four campuses in all of our auditoriums, as you will find one of these empty. No one's sitting in it. In fact, at all of our four campuses, just look around. You will find empty chairs. And I pray that empty chair just isn't something that no one's sitting in. Ooh, a little more space where you can spread out during worship and during the message. I pray this chair challenges you that that's somebody's life who is without hope, broken, in need of the healing of Jesus Christ. See, for me, this chair represents my neighbors who I have a relationship with, but they don't know Jesus yet. Maybe this chair represents that mom that you have coffee with on a regular basis, and she doesn't want to hear the name of Jesus. Maybe it represents that kid you go to school with every single day, you eat lunch across from him every single day, and his family's going through a divorce, and he's asking the question, why? Maybe this chair represents that person in your office that you deal with every single day that claims to be an atheist, but really they're searching for something bigger than themselves. Maybe this chair represents your husband or your wife that won't come to church with you, somebody in your family who doesn't want to know Jesus. I pray when we see this empty chair in our church, it would motivate us would challenge us to not just be a church that finds ourselves in the walls, but when we leave here on Sunday, God would equip us and He would motivate us to live out the gospel in a broken and, and hurting city that we point people to Jesus. And so you were given a card when that video played. And on that card, I'd ask you just to pull it out. It says a question. It says, Who will you invite to come on in? Who is that person that represents this chair that you know, that you have influence with in your family, a co-worker, a person in your dorm or in your class or in your family that you would say, hey, God, use me. Use me to encourage them, to love them, to point them back to you. And so in our service, I want to give you a moment to write that family down, to write that person's name down and to pray over them. That you would pray, God, give me an opportunity to use me to point them to you. And as we end our service, man, I would just really encourage you to not just let that card slip away, something we did here on Sunday. was awesome, cool. But you take it home with you and you put it somewhere where you're going to see it every day. Maybe your fridge. Your fridge or your dash of your car, your locker at school, your office cubicle, wherever you would see it every day, and it would be a reminder to you to fall on your knees before a God who loves you and say, use me, God, and help me to encourage this person. Because at the end of the day, we can have the coolest mission statement ever, but more and better is empty without people. More and better is just a saying without people. It's useless. And so right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity where you can pull that card out, you can write that name down, and you can pray over that name. You go ahead and take this opportunity right now to do that. Lord, thank you for the people who make up this church. Thank you for their sacrifice, their commitment, their love for you. And God, I pray for my neighbors right now, God, that you would use me to boldly live out the gospel so they could see, that you'd give me opportunities to show them the love of Jesus. And God, I think of every name and every family and every person that is listed on a card in all of our auditoriums, That, God, you would give us moments, opportunities, holy collisions to love, to encourage, to speak truth, to guide, to hug, to just love. Maybe we'd be a church that doesn't walk out of these doors satisfied, but that we would leave here on a mission to reach more and make better disciples of Jesus Christ. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.